Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of a songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. It's so nice of you to download and listen to our program. We certainly appreciate that. This is episode 89 already. Uh, for the podcast that we started during the pandemic, and we're now over 200,000 streams and downloads and subscriptions, and we certainly appreciate that. Is all thanks to you uh, for spreading the word. If you're listening, I know we do a, a little bit on, on YouTube, too. We're not a video podcast yet. Maybe that's coming. I don't know. We're talking about that. Uh, but if we always put the audio up there. And if you're listening on, on YouTube, please like and subscribe. That that really helps us a lot, and we do appreciate that. Hey, I, I'm just so happy to have this guest today. I've been wanting you on for a long time. Uh, Will Nance is with us today. That's Will with one L. Will with one L. Yeah. One L. Yeah. 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 And it stands for what? Willard is your first name? My first name is Willard. Willard. I'm thinking I should have went maybe just as Willard. You know, I don't know. I do remember you used to work for a while. Wasn't you had a little group called the Willies or something? We had a, yeah, we had a group called the Willies. I think it was uh, was Steve Williams and myself oh, and our Williams. wives, Holly and uh, Terry. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was a combination of Williams and Will, the mm-hmm. Willies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We might have gave you the Willies. <laughs> No, you guys are really good. <laughs> Very talented. I saw you play uh, at the Frank Brown uh, Festival with uh, with Steve Williams. Okay. And, and it was really fantastic down there uh, in lower Alabama. Um, that was my first time there, and I had a blast. You guys killed it that night. Yeah, Steve's easy to play with. He's great, man. Yeah. You guys are so good. Uh, a little background on Will Nance. He's a hit writer, multi-platinum hit writer. Uh, writes with Curb here in town, and he has written songs for George Strait. You heard of that guy, right? Brad Paisley. Uh, this list is really long. Neil, Ma- Neil McCoy, John Michael Montgomery, Gene Watson. Imagine having a song cut by the great Gene Watson. Amazing. Craig Morgan. This list is on and on and on. And I remember... Uh, we've talked a lot about NSAI in the past, Will, on this oh, yeah. program, National Songwriters Association International. And if you're interested in songwriting, I really recommend that group. They have chapters all over, as they did in Cincinnati, where I lived before moving to Nashville. And it was there I got to meet you. That's I, where we met. Yeah, yeah. You were, uh, for a while, you were our adopter shop pro. You'd come up and tutor and mentor and uh, do shows for us. Right, right. Fun. I was kind of like the uh, the adopted pro writer for that yeah. chapter it was fun though i met some great people including you yeah. and uh, greg allhammer mm, and yeah some really a good brother guy. from another mother oh yeah <laughs> yeah we had some good shows a lot, up there. Of, a lot of fun a lot yeah. of fun and i remember one particular show will um you sat down in the circle with us in um i guess it was the uh, i think it was the claremont inn where we used to do a lot of shows and you said um i got this new song i'll play for you guys um I think Brad Paisley's going to cut it. He tells me he's going to cut it. And, oh, wow. And, and you proceeded to play She's Everything, and we just went, oh, and there's a number one yet right there. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. It had a long journey, didn't it? What's that? It had a long journey, but it it, it made it. Yeah, you know, it was a, a little bit of a long journey. I mean, it, it did, I think I wrote that song in, what, 2002, and Brad cut it in 2005, you mm. know, so that's not bad, actually. Not I mean, bad? Yeah. Well, considering I got songs just still sitting there, you know. <laughs> yeah, we all do, don't we? It just happens. Yeah. Well, how about we start with this song? Will Nance is our guest on the Songwriter <laughs> Connection podcast. This guy has written a lot of songs that you've heard, heard and known, and uh, we're going to chat with him a little bit about it. What do, what do you want to hear, Dave? What am I going to play here? Well, um, you know, um, how about how about that? I, I love I love the story behind Roundabout Way. Okay, and and uh, and I remember hearing it again uh, down at, at uh, the Songwriter Fest, Frank Brown Songwriter Fest in Alabama. Can you share it with us and, and play that song? Well, what story are you talking about? There's some things I might not. I remember say. it started at one time uh, with some, some advice that Harlan Howard. The well, you know. <laughs> now, first of all, let me just a little. This is this is just a joke, but uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, there was an old song. This was Harlan Howard wasn't a joke. He was a real deal. Harlan oh, yeah. was writing the songs. We wrote his for uh, five uh, five decades in this town for yeah, fifty man. years. Wow. And uh, when I moved to town, Harlan was still very active and still writing. Let me get a drink here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I was talking to Harlan one day, and he called everybody kid. He goes, "Hey, kid, kid. because you're trying to be a songwriter, kid." I said, I'm trying, Harlan. He said, get divorced a couple of times. <laughs> he said, and drink some whiskey. So I always right. say, and I got, so I got divorced and George Strait cut this song, <laughs> which is actually what really happened. I got divorced and George Strait did cut this song. Oh, my. And it's funny. Uh, 
My ex-wife, who's from Middletown, Ohio, she did call me after this song was written, and she said, uh, you wrote that song about me, didn't you? <laughs> and I really didn't. I said, no, not really. She goes, well, I know you did. I go, well, whatever you want to think. So I got two great kids from my, my first wife. And they're uh, great kids. Yeah, 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 Kyle and Nathan, very talented boys. They, they got a company here in town where they, they renovate stuff and build things. They're very, very talented. <laughs> and... Um, it's called Groovy Bills there. There you go, Kyle. There's your plug. But there anyway, yeah. But anyway, um, she brought them out to the show. They were about six and three years old when they moved back there. And I, I was up in Ohio doing the show. She brought them out to the show. And there's a word in the second verse I was always, I always changed just to be funny. And she didn't think it was funny. <laughs> no. She thought it was written about her. And she got pretty, pretty perturbed about it. And she, the boys came around backstage. And I said, what is wrong with your mother? <laughs> And they said, Dad, she didn't appreciate that second verse. And I said, oh, man, it's really not about her. But anyway, I still sing it that way, you know. I'll sing a little it different from George, right? Yeah, a little bit different. Just one word, you Just know. Just one word. <laughs> uh, but I wrote this with my buddy Steve Dean. Mm-hmm. Now, that's what's weird about this song. I had the idea. And, you know, funny, I had an idea called Roundabout Way. And I also had an idea called Same Boots. Which is fine, as far as the alphabetical order, like round on my list of songs back then, those those were almost back to back, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I was going through ideas one day, and I I said, "What about roundabout way?" And Steve goes, "I like that. I like that idea." So, anyway, we ended up writing this song. I think it was in May of nineteen ninety six, and in September of ninety six, George Strait cut this song. So. This song was five months old when it got cut. With an amazing twist in, in song I remember. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Playing on the radio many, many times. So. And I don't tell a lot of people this either, but this melody and this chorus, this was actually a, uh, a a melody from another, not song I was writing, but I was talking to my buddy one day. I just met my current wife, and um, I said, oh, she's great. And I said, man, I'd do anything to, to make her happy, and... I picked up my guitar there at the house, and I was talking to my buddy Joe Engel on the phone, and I went, well, baby, I'd do anything to please you. And I went, that's a good melody. Yeah. And we, when we started writing this song, I took that melody that I was messing with on that little excerpt of a song, and I put it with this song. So anyway, kind of a little, little songwriting. Uh, Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> As all my friends can tell I took her leaving Well, that's kind of right When I'm out with them I don't let her memory rule the night And for the most part I'm okay Oh, but I still miss her, yeah Roundabout way Yeah, roundabout the time That midnight rolls around That's roundabout the time My tears start falling down Oh, cause she's not around Yeah, when I come up and wound and my heart breaks Because I still miss her In a roundabout way All fiddles now Did you bring your fiddle, Dave? I didn't Hey, I no longer sit alone For hours by the phone Wishing she would call Hey, and just the other day, I took her ugly face down off the wall. Whoops. Well, I've come a long, long way. Oh, but I still miss her in a roundabout way. That's around about the 
time my tears start falling down Oh, cause she's not around Yeah, when I come unwound And my heart breaks Because I still miss her in a roundabout way Yeah, I still miss her in a roundabout way It's a melody you can't help but sing along with. It's Will Nance is our guest who co-writer on that song, Big Hit for George Strait. Was that your first uh, big hit? It sure was, man. I think I was in town... I was in town about eight and a half years when George cut that. That's pretty good. Right. Well, you always say 10-year town, right? Well, yeah. You know, but at, that, uh, at eight and a half years, which looking back on a date, yeah. it's not really that long. But mm-hmm. I thought, well, I could have been a doctor by now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, eight and a half years, and it was the fourth single off that record. Wow. So I was in town about 10 years before I had a hit on the radio, wow. which but, is not bad. But what a big hit. And what a big record. Yeah. 10-year town, like you yeah. said. Yeah. So you, you, you did a lot better than, than most. <laughs> Well, looking back on it, I really did. I, yeah, I've been yeah, very, yeah. I've been very blessed. I can't complain. And it wasn't the only George Strait song, didn't you? Because everybody else, well, Dean Dillon wrote a lot of the, the, the George Strait songs. But you've written with George with uh, with yeah with Dean, Dean as well. Dean, 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 wrote, Dean wrote all of the George Strait songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, I had a, the first song I ever wrote with Dean Dillon and my buddy, uh, my buddy Buddy Brock. Uh, George cut it, a song called Of Heartaches for Horses. Oh, yeah. And I had a song called Where Have I Been All My Life that you I know, wrote with Steve Williams and Cherie Austin. And I'll never forget the first time I heard that song, too. It was in your truck. That's it's my right. favorite yeah. thing of mine that George Strait's ever cut. Then I have, oh, we, it's great we had a swing song that uh, me and Bubba Strait and uh, Bob Regan Bubba and George, George's George's son, and George's right. Yeah, and George the writer on it, too, uh, called uh, It Takes All Kinds. So, with yeah, I've been fortunate to have a few straight cuts. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, to have a straight cut—that's that's un, that's unbelievable. And uh, well, he's the king of country music, I guess. You know, he's the king. He's yep. the king. Yep. I think that makes you king of the songwriters, man. <laughs> like, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you're up there. Let me tell you. And so you grew up in uh, Missouri, right? Not too yep. far from St. Louis. Yep. St. Uh, well, about forty miles out of St. Louis. But lived in Ohio for a long time. Didn't you? <laughs> I lived in well, I lived in Ohio just uh, two two and a half years. Two and a half. Okay, yep. I thought yep. it was longer than that. I moved out of uh, I moved out of. Uh, Missouri, St. Louis area in '85, mm-hmm. and and um, then I moved to Nashville in '87. '87. Now you yeah. were playing in bands and things, and writing songs before. All oh that. yeah, I was playing in honky tonk bands and writing a few songs. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, just a real quick story. I, I was in Cincinnati, and me and my buddy was at a place called Lefty's Lefty's Tavern. You ever heard of Lefty's I in Cincinnati? No. Where was that? At? I was, uh, well, it's over there near Reading, okay, Ohio. But I was drinking a beer over there, and my buddy Tommy went over and played the jukebox, and. Uh, it was a song called Nobody's Right Mind with Left Her, which is George Strait's song. Love that song. Well, it wasn't George singing it. No? And I said, who is that singing that song? He goes, that's Dean Dillon, man, oh, that uh, wrote, it. wrote it. And I said, I know who Dean Dillon is, but just hearing Dean do that song, I looked at Tommy Brink, I go, I'm moving to Nashville. Really? That I want to go thing. to Nashville and I want to do that. You know, so that was kind of my inspiration to really move here. Isn't that something? So, how about the first time you met Dean Dillon? That must have been a thrill. Yeah, you know, I tried to write after Roundabout Way. I tried. I wanted to write with Dean. I even dropped the CD off over there, and I never heard nothing back, of course. But my friend Buddy Brock, he's the one that uh, said, "Hey, Will, you want to write with Dean Dillon?" I go, "That's what I moved here for." And this was twenty years after I'd moved wow. here. Wow! And uh, he set it up and got together and wrote with Dean, and uh, we wrote that song and. Uh, George cut it, and we've been friends ever since. Was it a little intimidating at first? Uh, you know what? Yay and nay. I mean, mm-hmm. he's Dean Dillon, of course, but you know he's such a nice guy, and That's it was just, a, and we really hit it off in the Did room. You? you know, yeah. He's like he just he he asked. We were sitting there, and uh, he said, "We got in right." And he goes, "Hey, Will, why don't you come on over to my place, man, and help me help me uh, put up some tin or paint or something?" And <laughs> I kind of laughed, and Buddy Brock said, "He goes, he likes you. He don't ask everybody to do that." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. If Dean asks you to work around his house, he likes you, you know. He wants you to come out there and talk about songs and help him do a few things. <laughs> I, <got you. laughs> I remember one story you told me about him. You said you had, a, you had a great idea for a song, and he thought it was a great idea, and you had some lyrics, and he said, now what it needs is a hit melody. Yeah, that's, that's right. We were out in Colorado when he said that. He goes, that's a great idea, Will. He goes, and every great idea needs a great melody. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the melody king. He know? is the king of melodies, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Very cool. Um, 
Yeah, well, so so you came to Nashville like 20 years ago, right? Oh, no. No? 35 years 35 years ago. Years ago. Yeah. I was okay. here about 20 years when I wrote with Dean. But yeah, I've been here 35 years. 87, so yeah, yeah. 35, 35 years ago. Wow. Very good. What's the first thing you started doing when you were here? Just getting out there? and Well, you know what? The first thing I did when I got here, yeah, while I was getting out there, you just got to jump. People go, how do you become? Yeah. How do you get into the songwriting world? I go, yeah, man, there's that? no one way to do it. You just got to jump in there. And I hate to say this, but it's kind of true. You kind of start writing with people who are on your level, and you'll you'll run into some people that are better than others, mm-hmm. and you just kind of start building this camaraderie with people around town, and uh, just kind of find out who you gel with, and you just hopefully work your way kind of up a ladder, and uh, maybe it's something you'll write with a with a with a published writer. Someone's writing for a publisher, mm-hmm. and. Uh, They'll start hearing some of the songs you're writing with their sign writer. And if they like what they're hearing, they'll say, hey, who are you writing those songs with? Well, I'm writing them with Dave Linehan, mm-hmm. you know? And they'll go, well, bring this guy in here. Let's meet him. And you keep writing with that certain person. And then that's how you build relationships, basically. You I, know? I agree with that. But the music talks, you know? I mean, it you does. have to you have to keep trying to write up and write with people who are as good or better than you are. You don't want to write with people you're better than all the time, you know, because then it's like... You know, it's such a good point. And because I'm a big baseball fan. We've talked about it before. But Johnny Bench always used to say that. You want to play with better players. Exactly. they bring you up to their level. I'm a big baseball guy, too. And that's true. Baseball's a lot like... Baseball's like, like life, and it's a lot like songwriting. You have to keep hanging out with people who are... That you can learn from. That's yeah. just the way it is. You it, know? It's so true. And join the organizations. Be a member of, of NSAI and, and go to the meetings and get your songs critiqued and uh, just keep working on the craft. Right? Yeah, you know, and, yeah, and you got and you got to realize, you know, when I moved to Nashville, one of the things I'm thankful for. I mean, I was writing, I was writing okay songs, you know, but the the blessing was. It didn't take me long to realize my songs really weren't good enough. Mm. I mean, I just kind of like, oh, man. And uh, so I started realizing where the bar was and where the where the bell was. You know, yeah, I knew I wasn't ringing the bell yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess, uh, and not to be negative, but it's kind of true. The disappointing thing about Nashville is once you are hitting that bar and ringing that bell, that doesn't necessarily mean your songs are going to get on record. Yeah. And that was the, the 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 rude awakening that I went, oh my gosh, man. Now I know I rung the bell with that one. Now why somebody cut the dang thing? And right. Roundabout Way was kind of that a way the song I just played. I remember writing that song with Steve Dean and my buddy Earl Clark, who's, who passed away a few years ago. He had a few George Strait cousins. Earl was like a hillbilly politician. I remember going out in his car uh, outside the uh, Longhorn uh, restaurant. I said, Earl, I got to play you something. This is a George Strait smash. Mm-hmm. And I played it for Earl, and he said, well, bud, you're right. That's a hit, you know. Yeah. Excuse me, but we still had to get it to George Strait, you and, know. And what was that process? Well, well, Tom Collins, who uh, uh, who Steve Dean was writing with, he got it into George and Irv when they were in the studio. Oh, gotcha. And, you know, it's funny that I'll tell you a quick story. Steve Dean called me that day, and he said, uh, hey, man, George and Irv's in the studio, and Tom's taking over a cassette I think it was cassettes back then. So yeah. a cassette of five songs, and they're not putting Roundabout Way on it. Oh, boy. And I said, they're not. He said, no. Nah, they said they've already pitched it, and he's heard it, and he's passed. I go, do they know that? So I said, you tell them to put it on their fifth if they want. You know, I said, and if he's heard it, you won't hear nothing back. But if he hasn't heard it, he might like it. But anyway, they ended up putting it on there, and he ended up cutting it. Wow. You know. Yeah. How could you not like that song? <laughs> well, you know. You know. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about things like it's it, it, sometimes it is beyond your control. I mean, I remember uh, the stories about She's Everything, which is an amazing song uh, that you wrote uh, about your wife. And we're going to hear that story, I'm sure. Um, but I remember you saying, like, he was going to he was going to release it as a single and it kept getting bumped. Right. Was that the one? And uh, and then finally, they did the greatest hits. Well, no, what happened was. Uh... Well, he well, Brad cut She's Everything. Thank mm-hmm. God for that. Yeah. Oh, but man. anyway, uh Brad cut the song. It was on the Time Well Time Well Wasted record. Great record. And uh, the first single off that record, if you remember, was a song called Alcohol. Yes. Alcohol. Wow. About getting drunk. You put a lampshade. It was a funny yeah. song. Great song. Yeah. And uh, then the second single was a song called uh, You Are the World to Me. 
Yeah, I remember that. And so anyway, I was told we had the third single. Well, anyway, I called uh, I called Brad one day. I had his number, and I called him. I said, "Hey, Brad, I got the third single, right?" And he went kind of silence on the on the on the phone. He goes, "Will your timing's impeccable." Mm. He said, "I'm just getting ready to to go into the, a meeting with Joe Galante, who was running the label." And he said, uh, "I'll know in 30 minutes what the next single is." Mm. He goes, "I'll call you right back." That was the longest 30 minutes of my oh, life. I'll bet. I'll bet. Brad calls me back. He goes, "Well, Will." He said, I'm sorry, the second single was not that. The second single was When I Get Where I'm Going. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which was a Stally. great song. Yeah. But see, that, that uh, the hurricane hit down in Louisiana. Okay. And ha- and that's why Galani said, we got to release When I Get Where I'm Going. People need to hear that song right now. Yeah. The third yeah. single was World to Me. I was supposed to get it. Brad calls me back. He goes, man, we're releasing You Are the World to Me because I need an up-tempo for my show. Uh-huh. And so I went, oh, all right. He goes, man, but I promise you, he says, I promise you, you got the fourth single. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, Brad, it's in God's hands. And he goes, yep, God's in Joe Galani's. <laughs> <laughs> Brad's a funny guy anyway. Yeah. But anyway, then on the, in the same breath, I said, Brad, what about waiting on a woman? Which mm-hmm. was on that record, too. Yeah, and he said what? fifth single. Fifth single. I said so, that's Win Varble, so, who's been on yeah. the show. Yeah, Win so I so I said so yeah. I got the fourth <clears throat> single, and Win Varble's got the fifth single, waiting on a woman. And normally, you know, five singles is pretty many singles deep. Yeah, that is. I thought, man, I am not holding my breath on this one. Well, sure enough, he kept his word, and I got the fourth single. Yeah. Guess what? Huh? There wasn't a fifth single on that. Record. No. Wow. And they went to the next record, and the first single off that record was a song called Ticks. I remember that. Check your case. Yeah. So they're looking for a second single, right? And I mean, at this point, when when Varble and Don Sampson and Brad knows this, they're not happy. Yeah. I mean, they they had that waiting on a woman was a great song. They didn't get a single. Yeah. Brad Brad goes, we need a second single, and Brad goes, the next single is going to be waiting on a woman. And what ended up happening? They put that single, they put that song on that. They repackaged it, put it on that record. So they were on Time Well Wasted and the record after that. Wow. And then it ended up on the greatest hits, too. So. <laughs> That's something. Wow. Gotta love that. Yep. You know, and when you were writing that song, I also remember uh, hearing, you you had written it for Holly, your, your, your lovely wife. And uh, right. Brad called you and said, can I change a little bit of that? Well, yeah. And- Chris Dubois called me and said, uh, well, first of all, I was getting ready to write with Chris Dubois one day. And uh, I said, Chris, let me play you something. I picked up my guitar and I played him shoes everything. And he mm-hmm. said... Uh, I love that, Will. Can I play it for Brad Paisley? I said, sure. And I think Diamond Rio and I think maybe Craig Morgan had it on hold at the time. And uh, I said, sure. So Chris played it for uh, Chris played it for Brad. And I was up in Ohio seeing my kids one weekend. Chris called me. He said, hey, I left that, I left that CD on Brad's uh, doorstep, and he's loving that song. Wow. So then anyway, I got another call from Chris about a month or two later, and he said, uh, he said uh, hey, man. Brad is really loving that song, and he's never done this before, but if he's going to sing it in front of 20,000 people every night, oh, wow. he wanted to change a few of the words to make it more about his wife. <laughs> and I laughed, and I said, you tell Paisley I don't want him singing about my wife in front of that many people. Sing about your own dang wife. So anyway, uh, so anyway, he, you know. Song about two wives I always sing in my live show. It was, you know, it, went number, it was number one for 10 weeks in Utah. Two wives. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway. Um, you know, I not, always wanted to ask you about that. When an artist does that, it changes some of the song. Are they entitled to part of the of the royalty, the, you know, the split, oh, oh, yeah. splits? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but mm. Brad was very generous, you know. He, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't take as much as some people would have. Yeah. Some would say, take it all. Take it all. Yeah, great guy, man. Great guy. I mean. Uh, he said, you brought me a great song, he said, and I tweaked it a little bit, and that's what I did, you know. So, wow. Wow. Yeah, he was very he was very fair about it. That's good. That's wonderful. Can you play it for us? I will try. <laughs> Your version, not Brad's. Oh, by the way, I, I wanted to mention this before, but on the last song, Roundabout Way, yep. boy, you changed it to Ugly Face Off the Wall. George sang it as Smiling Face. Smiling Face. <laughs> smiling Face. But uh, we could probably get into what, what Brad changed on this, but uh, let's hear you sing. I always love the way you sing this song. 
coughed. I've always said on this podcast, I love I love it when the songwriter sings their song. I love to hear the songwriter's interpretation. Will Nance is our guest. That's a listing mile long. She's a red pair of tennis shoes. She's a holy pair of jeans. She's a pair of cool sunglasses. She's a sexy little thing. She said, I want a piece of chocolate. Take me to a movie. She said, I can't find a thing to wear. Every now and then she's moody. She's a rag top for Baron With her auburn hair blowing She's a soft place to land A good feeling no She's a warm conversation I wouldn't miss for nothing She's a fighter when she's mad But she's a lover when she's loving She's a night out on the town She's a choir girl on Sunday She's a cross around her neck And a working girl come Monday She's a bubble bath and candles Baby, come and kiss me She's on one glass of wine And she's feeling kind of tipsy And she's everything to me me who is she that's a listy mile long I'll tell you about her and go on and on and on she's a window to my soul she's my warmth under the cups a picture that I care She's my unborn children's mother She's a hand that I'm holding When I'm on my knees and praying And she's the answer to my prayers And she's the song that I'm playing She's a voice I love to hear Oh, and someday when I'm 90 She's that wooden rocking chair I want to rock and rap beside me She's all of that and then some Here's just one thing more She's the one I laid down my own life for And she's everything to me You ask me who is she that's a listy mile long And she's everything I've ever wanted Everything I need I talk about her, I go on and on and on Cause she Everything to me. Mm. Will Nance is our guest. He he wrote that song, and uh, we're going to talk about it more in just a little bit. Don't go away. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
You're listening to the Songwriter Connection, connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. You're listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. I'm Dave, and Will Nancy is my guest. Will uh, sitting around the dining room table playing these hits live, and uh, we certainly do appreciate that. What an impact song. She's everything to me. Um, you know, they say, you know, I always heard in the music, it only takes one, and mm-hmm. um, I had a couple before that. I thought, man, I think it takes more than one. <laughs> but uh, you know what? That song has uh, been a real blessing, Dave. I mean, and, and I, I, now I know what it only takes one means because that's mm-hmm. a big one. Yeah, it's a big one. Uh, it gets a lot, it's, that song still gets played a bunch. And I, I, what we're looking at, that was a hit in 2007. So here we are, what, 15 years later? And it's still getting played. Still, you know? all the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's classic. And um, and it puts so much. Do you know how much pressure you put on the songwriter with that song? Will thank you. I'm gonna thank you because now you know. Wife goes, "How do you never write a song like that for me?" <laughs> and I say, "Honey, that's because Brick House has already been written." So <laughs> you know, there reminds me. It reminds me of a story about uh, I met a I met a kid named Django Walker one time. It's Jerry yeah. Jeff Walker's kid, right? Oh, okay. Django, and uh, wow. Jerry Jeff Walker, we you know what song he wrote? He wrote. Uh, um, was oh, Mr. Bojangles, Mr. Bojangles, which is a huge song, and yeah. Jangles says he's getting ready to come to Nashville, and he goes backing out of his driveway, and his dad come running out there in his underwear, and he said, "Jangle, Jangle, roll the window down." Jangle rolled the window down, and he goes, "Go get yourself a Mr. Bojangles." He goes, "Thanks, Dad, for the pressure." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's funny. You know what's so cool about that song too? Recently, and when we saw you at Frank Brown, you had. Uh, the really coolest piece of merchandise, and we had to have it for our new edition. Um, talk about that. It's, that's just really cool. Uh, well, that's, uh, you know, what we got to looking online. You know, people don't buy CDs no more, and just looking for something to sell at the live shows, and we're going down the road, and I told Holly, I said, I need something to sell at these live shows, coffee cups or something, and she just looked online, and there was a bunch of those things being sold, uh, knockoffs of them, of these little posters like home decors. Well, I'm in the home decor business. Yeah. Just these little, yeah. uh, like uh, canvas posters on a frame, you know, you can hang on your wall and it's the lyric because she's everything. And, and a heart. And a, and a heart, yeah, you know. And, and, uh, and um, I just sell them at my live shows and sign them for people and stuff. You know? It's really a cool idea. Yeah. You know, and about that song, when I think back of that song, and I don't know if you're the first to do this, but it seems like that song sparked this. When I hear a lot of songs today, <clears throat> and write with other, especially these young writers. Uh, she is everything, okay? But yeah. you don't say, like, she's a le- ragtop LeBron. Right. She's a uh, baby come and kiss me. She's right, a, right. And then something like that, you yeah. know? And now you hear that all the time. Yeah, right? you know, I, I don't think, you know, when I wrote that, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't really heard it said that way. No, I never did And either. now I do. I'll, I'll, I'll hear glimpses of that in other people's songs going, yeah, it's kind of like she's everything a little bit. A little and I've bit. written songs. And not only she, but I'm a, I'm a, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a long-haired. <laughs> well, no, that's been done. You know, yeah. I'm a, well, I guess is you know. I guess almost been done. You know, I'm a long haired country boy, Charlie Daniels, you know, but uh, I, I don't line. know, but she's yeah. this and she's that. Yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But I, I, for me, I, I, I thought that was the first time I heard it that way. And I think it's the thing about songwriting. We talk about finding that twist, finding that different way of saying things. And it's really what it's all about, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think it's, uh, I mean, I grew up listening to guys like Roger Miller and oh, Tom yeah. T. Hall and Merle Haggard. And I mean, as far as on the country, and then Jim Croce and, you know, oh, yeah. Kenny Loggins, and I mean, I've, I've listened to a lot of different kinds of music, but I, country music, especially, the reason I thought country songwriting was interesting to me, it was a little bit profound, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was a great twist, uh, great stories, you know, uh, pictures, uh, painting a lot of pictures with oh, the yeah. words, and then, uh, like I said, just a little profound, you know, like the way it was being said, and uh, that's what intrigued me about the whole country songwriting thing. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up on country music? Oh yeah, my dad, my dad uh, played guitar and sang, and uh, me and my brother. My brother's a great bass player, uh, Gary Nance, and uh, we uh, we had a band together. But yeah, we grew up around. My dad had a bunch of Merle Haggard records mm. and turned me on to Tom T. Hall and Roger Miller early on. I mean, uh, this great, great, great country songwriter, songwriters, yeah, yes. storytellers, exactly, yeah. storytellers, yeah. exactly, absolutely. So, there's so much more I want to talk to you about, but I'd love to hear another song. Okay. We've so many great songs. We'll Nance, our guest on the Songwriter Connection podcast. I'll tell you, uh, what do you want to hear? Something up, maybe? <laughs> yeah, let's do something up. 
get us dancing around. Hey, I'll do this song. Uh, I'll do you another George Strait song. This is this is kind of funny. Uh, uh, Bubba Strait's George's kid, and uh, Bubba Strait came to town to write a few songs. And me and my buddy Bob Regan got together with Bubba, and we wrote this song. And uh, Bubba flew back to San Antonio, Texas, and uh, I sent I sent him this song the next morning. I talk, and I called him and said, "Hey, Bubba, I sent you a a, a work tape of that song. Hey, and tell your dad that." He could ride on it, too, if he wants to. So about a year and a half went by, and Bubba called me one day. He said, hey, Will, you remember that song we wrote, blah, blah, blah? I said, yeah. He goes, is you telling me to tell my dad to ride on that? I go, I did. He goes, well, he thinks he's a songwriter on it. Because <laughs> the other day he came in and said, hey, Bubba, what about this little song? And uh, I said, well, you telling me as a songwriter, no one sings that George Strait stuff better, uh, that swing stuff better than George, George Strait. Strait. That's right. So anyway, George went in and cut the song, and he came back to... Uh, he came back to Nashville to have a listening party at the studio where he cut it and he invited all the writers on the record and you got to sit right next to George while your song was being played. Wow. Well, heck, I never heard the verse George had written until I was sitting right next to him. That's the first time? I was, yeah, I had to like it. He was sitting there. <laughs> no, actually, actually, it made me laugh, man. I said, that works. It made me laugh. That you know? works, yeah. You know, back to the old thing, is, is it, the songs either got to make you dance, laugh, cry, or do something, and then mm-hmm. his verse made me laugh. And dance, because it's got that swing. I, I, I grew up, you know, listening to swing music, too, so to have George Strait sing a swing song that I was a part of, it was kind of... Say about I'm getting the melody here, but um, yeah, the fiddles went on. Some got a boat they like to float. Some got a story they sugarcoat. Some got a clue and then some don't. It takes all kinds. Some got a beer they like to drink. Some got a thought they like to think. Some got a chain with a few more links. It takes all kinds. That's what makes this world go round. You keep doing your thing, Dave. I'm doing mine right now. You got a song go on and sing it. Crank it up, rear back and bring it. I got one, I think I'll swing it. It takes all guys. Wear a backwards baseball cap. If that's you, I'm cool with that. Me, I'm more a cowboy hat. It takes all kinds. That's what makes this world go around. You keep doing your thing. I'm doing mine right now. You got a song, go on and sing it. Crank it up, bring it back and bring it. I got one, I think I'll swing it. It takes all kinds. All right, you ready for George's verse? Yeah, let's hear it. It's Texas poetry now. I'm doing it. <laughs> Of course. Here you go. Some like a dip in their bottom lip. They say it's easier to spit. Me, I like a top lip dip. It takes all kinds. That's what makes this world go round. You keep doing your thing. I'm doing mine right now. Some say it is. Some say it ain't. Some say we can. Some say we can't. Winners, losers, sinners, saints. It takes all kinds. Some got a boat they like to float. Some got a store with a sugar coat. Some got a beer they like to drink. Some got a thought they like to think. Some got a chain with a few more links. It takes all kinds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So George is about the dip, huh? Yeah, the upper lip. Oh, I didn't know you could put a dip in your upper lip. I was trying. The gravity doesn't help with that, does it? Uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, well, I'm afraid I'd swallow it. <laughs> I would be too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Nance is our guest on the Sunrider Connection podcast. When I first came to town, um, it, it's it's so funny when you come to Nashville. You never know who you run into, and. Um, I was my, working, my wife about ran over Conway Twitty speaking are, of, with, are her you ca- kidding? with her car. Yeah, speaking wow. of, 
Seriously? Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to go there. No, I mean, no, but now I got to hear the story. Who, who did you run over? No, that. <laughs> no, she was just pulling to an alley, and there was Conway Twitty, and she about ran over. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's something else. Well, um, that pops up another story. I, I started working for Lexus of, of uh, Nashville, but it started in Cool Springs, and uh, there was a gentleman walking around the car, and I was just starting. And, and uh, I, so I approached him, and I said, I barely know how to spell Lexus at this point. I just started today. And uh, <laughs> we started talking and, and, and chatting for a while. And I had just gotten back from, from a, a cruise from, from Italy, and he, he had just gotten back from Italy, and we're comparing stories and how we love it. And I finally I said, hey, I'm Dave Lenahan. He goes, I'm Dwayne Eddy. And I went, well, that'd be easy to remember, like the guitar player. And he goes, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you were that. That's Wayne funny. Eddie. So yeah, and then I realized, well, you know, dude, you're in Nashville, so things like that happen. So one day, um, this uh, this 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 car pulls in, and um, and I uh, I had that customer that came to the front door, and I introduced myself, and we started talking. Same thing, chatting, nice, getting to know each other. And uh, he says, uh, "I said, I'm Dave. Good to meet you." And he goes, "Well, I'm I'm Mike Curb," and I went, mm. "Are you the Mike Curb?" And he said. Well, I am a Mike Curb. <laughs> but it turned out it was him. And what a great guy. He and his wife and, and talked with him for a long time. And, and they did buy a, a car and, and uh, got to know him a little bit. And I say that because you write for Curb now. And um, and what a giant in the uh, industry and, and what a thrill it must be. But I wanted to, the reason why I bring this up is I wanted to talk about uh, working for a publishing company and what... Um, you, know, you know, what that job is all about. Uh, some songwriters have that as a goal i want to work i want to be a published i want to work for a publisher i want to be a signed songwriter um what can you tell us about that well you know i i I think it's great to have a team with you and uh, curbs are great i love writing at curb Mm -hmm. uh got song pluggers you got people uh it's just a team you know Mm -hmm. and that's the great thing about being with a publisher because Mm -hmm. uh kind of gives you some notoriety and they and they hook you up with people and introduce you to people that that you very, very well may not meet if you weren't. And it gives you a place to go downtown to and hang out and write songs. And a lot of new writers come in and out there. So it's all about, you know, uh, meeting people and relationships, you know. So it helps big time like that. But what I'll say to the to the uh, songwriters out there, even if you don't have a publishing deal, you're going to end up writing with some people who do have publishing deals, and you're going to end up, like I said earlier, you're going to end up hanging out at their publishing companies. But I'm telling you, don't you know? Even with, even when you're with a publisher, you still have to make your own connections and uh, be. You're you're an entrepreneur. You know, you're 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 uh, you're contracted by a publisher to write songs for them, but you're still your business too. So, uh, I mean. What's a what's a typical contract today? What 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 do they tell you you must do? Well, basically, I mean, they give you a quota, and it might be twelve songs, which is twelve hundred percenters. So if you write, if all your songs you are three ways, it's you and two other people. Mm. That's thirty six songs, you know. Or if it's two ways, that's twenty four songs a year. A year. A year. Mm-hmm. So you know you got a quota, and then. Then there are all con- some are co-pub deals where you own part of your publishing. Some are uh, straight deals where they own a hundred percent of your publishing, and mm-hmm. you know you're just right for them. Is know? that negotiable? Or oh, sure, it's negotiable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's uh, if you if you're an established writer and stuff, you're more apt to probably get a co-pub deal, or if you're an artist, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's negotiable, and you just kind of uh, I don't know. It's all good. And then as far as they pay you a draw, which mm-hmm. is recoupable if you get on a record and. Um, it keeps keeps groceries on the t- well, it, it enables you to write songs. Yeah, keeps groceries on the table and keeps your lights on while you're trying to learn the craft and and uh, maybe strike gold and get on a record somewhere. Yeah. You know, so uh, I it, would think it ups your odds, huh? I, I would say what well, frees you up and it does it, it, does, uh, it huh? does up your odds because they're pitching your songs for you and they're uh, trying to set you up with other people. Yeah, it's a uh, sometimes. Especially if you're, if you get kind of, if you're just sitting at your house and you're not meeting no nobody, even if you're writing great songs, this may not be a good idea, yeah. you know. Yeah. But then there's people that's never had publishing deals, and uh, some big writers in this town that have been very successful. That's because they've just met the right people, mm. you know, mm. and they've gotten out there and they pitched their songs around, and uh, they've uh, they've been very successful doing that, you know. And for every one of those, there's how many. Uh, great songs that you never get to hear. Oh gosh! Oh gosh! Yeah. 
you, you come to a writer's round in this town, and you'll hear you'll hear something, and you go, "Wow, tons! Why isn't that song on the radio? Tons of great songs out there." So it's know. so much more than just writing a great song, isn't it? It really is. I mean, uh, you know, there's. Uh, uh, but Steve Dean said to me one one time, "I love so, Steve." So, Steve was on this podcast. Yeah, he's too. a great guy. He yeah. said one day to me, and I don't know if he remembers even saying it. He goes. A hit song ain't always a great song, and a great song ain't always a hit song, he said. <laughs> so true. It is so, so true. So true. But every once in a while, it's a beautiful thing when a great song becomes a hit song, because that's the best of all the worlds. Oh, yeah. You got a hit, and you got a song that, that people and your, and your peers, your other songwriter friends, think it's great. You yeah. Know? yeah. Because really, to be honest with you if, you, if you have a hit on a song and it's not great, they don't really say nothing to you. <laughs> They might say, yeah, congrats, man, you know. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing. But yeah, but you like to hear, congrats, man, I love yeah. that song, you know. Yeah, that's what you want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Even though, I, I tell you what, I, maybe I'll take a mediocre song as a hit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of mediocre songs that you hear that become Like hit. I said, like Steve said, a hit song ain't always a great song, a great song ain't always a hit song. Write that down, folks. That might be the name of this uh, this podcast episode. But uh, you've written a lot of those great songs, uh, Will. And, and we well, I try, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a song that I always love to hear you play <laughs> because it's it rings true all the time, and, and it, it, it it just spans the generations. Uh, this song will always apply, and I'm talking about same old circus. Oh, same old circus! Heard <laughs> you play this not too long ago at the listening room. Uh, I've seen you around a lot. You know what? I had a blast down at uh, the Gatlinburg Songwriter Festival. Oh, that's, that's fun! That man. was my first one, and we were uh, hanging out, uh, playing songs, folks. If you this is an amazing time to go to Gatlinburg because all these songwriters in town and we like to stay at the Gatlinburg Inn which is historic it's, it's where Felice and Bill O'Brien wrote Rocky Top wow. and every night um, out on the porch and there's a huge porch uh, this jam session breaks out. Oh, Will's, Will's back there with his fiddle. and he's Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love to pick my fiddle up there. Yeah, we had Robin Ruddy playing a little uh, dobro. He's always a time with a jam. But anyway, this song right here, heard you recently at uh, the listening room, and I thought, man, <laughs> was this ever cut? You know, it wasn't, man. I, I wrote wow. this with my buddy. See, there's an example of what we're talking about. Yeah. I wrote this with my buddy Chris Dubois and a, uh, and a uh, uh, railroad engineer out of Oklahoma had wow. this idea. And... Uh, it's uh, it's funny. We did hear one time that George Strait loved the song, oh, and I, I went, George, yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, is that hearsay or does he really love the song? But George has got a nephew by the name of Trey Strait, which is George's brother, mm. brothers, uh, George's brother's kid. Yeah, okay, and he was hanging out with my buddy Tom Shepard one day, and he said, "Man, I want to play you something." My uncle George loves this song, and he played him the same old circus. And Tommy, uh, Tom Shepard goes. I know that song. My buddy Will Nance is a writer on that song. He said, well, my Uncle George loves it. And Tom come back and told me that. And I said, well, it was true. I said, hey, tell Trey to tell his Uncle George to cut it. (laughs) (laughs) Went back to my old high school last Friday night. They were in the state playoffs Playing against Central High And I couldn't believe How little had changed through the years There were jocks on the field There were dorks in the band There were long hairs in a huddle Smoking dope back behind the stands I saw rednecks and preppies and good-looking girls leading cheers. Two kids making out and somebody getting busted for beer. It's the same old circus, different set of clowns. Just hormone-filled teens painting on acne cream, trying to fit in with the crowd. I swear that there isn't a dime's worth the difference between way back when and right now. It's the same old circus, different set of clowns. Political candidates every four years, they smile at the camera and tell us what we want to hear. 
They talk about all of the changes they'll make if they win. All but once they're elected, selective amnesia sets in. It's the same old circus, different set of clowns. Yeah, the only thing better is Leno and Letterman's monologue jokes for a while. I swear that there isn't a dime's worth of difference between way back when and right now. It's the same old circus, different set of clowns. Little circus music there. (laughs) We've come a long way since Adam and Eve. We got laptops and iPads and high-definition TVs. Yeah, we built skyscrapers bound halfway to heaven, I guess. Oh, but I bet you guys looking down, and he ain't that impressed. It's the same old circus, different set of clowns. We're just modern-day heathens and high-rises eating those apples he warned us about. I swear that there isn't a dime's worth of difference between way back when and right now. It's the same old circus, different set of clowns. And what a melody, too. Awesome. It really is. One of my favorites from Will Dance. Oh, thank you. Will, thank you so much for taking time. I know it's a long day for you, but I certainly appreciate you taking the time. Hey, it's my pleasure to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me. Still one of my favorite songwriters out there, my friend. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also, listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.